This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast with your host, Ed Randall. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here, joined by our MLBPipeline.com reporters, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. And we're here at the winter meetings on the MLB.com couch. Most comfortable place in Nashville to do an interview. Thoughts? Uh, What's well, leaving soon, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. only here for a few more Th- minutes. This is the kind of uh, furniture that like your Aunt B tells you you're not allowed to sit on when you're a kid. Yeah, it's white just for people that are listening at home to give you an idea. Aunt B? Everyone has an Aunt B. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was the only Jew in Mayberry. <laughs> so it's been it's been a quiet winter meetings from from a prospect standpoint. We got one big deal, but you guys had to wait a little bit for that one. So when you're here in Nashville, as guys that cover the minor leagues and cover the prospects, are you antsy when nothing's happening, or are you enjoying the quiet time? Uh, I mean, I was getting bored. Yeah. I mean, I, I would prefer, obviously last year was pure insanity. I would prefer to lean in that direction as opposed to, there, not only were there, there was nothing, but there weren't even really like legitimate rumors with legs to try to, to chase down. I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for Jim, but I know we both will if we hear something. We'll try to go like maybe backwards, talk to farm director types, scouts you know, who may know about the prospect and things to help confirm some information. There wasn't even information to try to go after. We had the, the Chapman thing for a little bit, try to find out who those two prospects were, and we know that you know that blew up. But I, I prefer to have stuff to do. I'd like a happy medium. I mean, last year, last year's a little ridiculous because we were on West Coast time, and all these deals were happening at eleven o'clock when you're like exhausted. And you're like, okay, I'm about shit. No, AJ Preller's just made a ten player trade. Wait a minute, Andrew Heaney's on his third team today, and it's like what? Like we're recording video at midnight, West Coast time. But I agree. I mean, at least the nice thing is. There's so many people here that you, if you're not reporting, you can walk around and bump into a scouting director, bump into a farm director, bump into an agent. So you can at least converse with people. So I don't mind. Somewhere in between what we had in San Diego and what we've had this year, I think would be kind of ideal. We had one big night as far as prospects go, and it was Tuesday night. And, and I, it's one of the situations, I think, that where were you when the Shelby Miller trade went down? And, and what was the reaction? Because it seems like the reaction from people who know prospects was, Really? They got all that? Is that pretty much what you guys kind of reacted to? Yeah, I was at the, the Baseball America Awards Gala, and right toward the end, Bud Selig was speaking. I was sitting next to Tom Hottercourt with a Milwaukee paper, and he taps him on the shoulder, and he shows me a tweet from Joel Sherman, Dansby Swanson, and Shelby Miller trade. And I was just like, I, and I said to him, and Joel doesn't miss stuff, but I, 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 without right. thinking, I just said, that can't be right. And he's like, well, Joel's not usually wrong on this stuff. And I was like, I know. And, and then, like, within a couple minutes, you could see people around the room looking at their phones and kind of doing double take, like, what? And as soon as the gala was over, it's all anybody was talking about. I was talking to a, a scouting director, and I won't name him to out him or anything, but he was kind of surprised. I mean, we all knew the rule change. You could trade these guys now, but to get – Shelby Miller's good, and you have three years before he's a free agent. But I don't th- – you know, Shelby Miller to me is a number two starter. Aaron Blair, who they got in the deal, might be a number three. So there might not be a huge difference. And you get Ender Inciardi, who's one of the best defensive outfielders and can handle the bat in the big leagues. Oh, and by the way, you get Dansby Swanson, number one pick in the draft. I'm still stunned. 
however many hours, about 24 hours later, and I, I still can't quite believe that that trade happened. Similar? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you start hearing that uh, Shelby Miller might be traded, and we, there's going to be prospects involved, and, and probably pretty good ones. Uh, and then when we saw that, like, Dansby Swanson's in the trade, there was that immediate, uh, immediate like, whoa. I mean, really? Um, because, yeah, I mean, Logan Allen had been, had been traded already. He was the first, you know, the Trey Turner rule to draft you to get traded. But I don't think anyone thought a guy of that level, a number one overall pick, um, would, would get dealt that quickly. And he, he, he's got 83 professional at-bats. That's it. Um, so the Diamondbacks had him for 22 games in the Northwest League, and, and then, he, then he's gone. And um, it definitely is a, is a new landscape for, you know, if you're a scouting director, don't get too attached to your first-round pick because um, he may go, you know, if it's, if it's the right deal. And he's, it's not going to take him that long to, to get to the big leagues, I don't, I don't think. Uh, I had some people tell me they thought that uh, he'll be there in September. Now, if the Braves aren't competing, there's no reason to do that whatsoever. But to see him in their lineup at some point in 2017 makes a lot of sense. So then you're talking about, a starting pitcher is going to be in your rotation opening day 2016, and uh, a guy who has a chance to be an all-star shortstop. Um, and you know, Jim Jim's got a, a prospect crush on him, and that's fine. I'm totally fine about that. Um, I, I like him, you know, more platonically than, than Jim does. But uh, but I mean, that's I mean, we're talking. Inciardi's got value too. And yeah, Inciardi. I mean, we, we I didn't even, you know I wrote the analysis piece on this, and I didn't even. I didn't even touch him because he's not a prospect, he's, but he's a young outfielder. Guys in the Braves front office uh, pointed out to me, I saw him in the lobby this morning, that his war, you know, his offense, actually his overall war was better than Simmons's. Probably because you know? his defense was so good. He was one of the best defensive outfielders. And right. I had people tell me, and I, I mean, if, 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 you, if I'm the Braves and you offered me Dansby Swanson straight up for Shelby Miller, I'd probably do that. And I get Aaron Blair and Andrew Inciardi, and you can also yep. flip around and look at it. Okay, let's say Shelby Miller is a two. Or let's say he doesn't quite reach his ceiling. He's more of a three. And let's say Aaron Blair reaches his. They can be pretty close to each other. And the same guy. And I get Andrew Inciardi. Oh, and by the way, I get Dansby Swanson yeah. in the deal. It's just like it's, it's mind-boggling. You mentioned the, the crush, and we got to get into that a little <laughs> bit. Because the, cause the way you explain this to me always fascinates me. Because you say, He's the next I'm not, Jeter. I'm, no, he says, I'm not saying that he's <laughs> Derek Jeter. But then you go on and you tell me everything he does better than Derek well, Jeter did. Better. So, so what does he do? He does, he's not Derek Jeter. He's better than <laughs> Derek Jeter. I always take repeating that because it's like everybody always wants to ask, who's the comp? Who's this guy remind you of? You know, what kind of player do you think he'll be? And you always have to clarify because you're, you're not. I'm not saying again, Derek Jeter's gonna be first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. I'm not saying Dansby Swanson's gonna be first ballot Hall of Famer. But offensively, if Dansby Swanson reaches his ceiling, I think he could be a similar hitter to what Derek Jeter was. I think he's a guy. Who can hit around, you know, 300, be a consistent 300 hitter, and hit, you know, 15 homers a year? You know, he could be very close to what Derek Jeter was. I do think he's better. I think Jeter was overrated defensively. Yankees fans are throwing things while they're listening to the podcast now. But I do think Dansby Swanson can be a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. I agree with that. Um, and, and, but the, the, the way the offensive style, the way he, he's a similar runner to Derek Jeter, he's similar speed, and just the charisma. He's the most charismatic college player I've ever covered. And he's got that charisma that everybody always noted about Derek Jeter. He's got that aura around him. Um, and so that's what kind of cements that comp. And, again, I'm not saying as much as I love David Swanson as a player, <laughs> I'm not putting him in the first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Derek Jeter because I see, I think he could be a similar hitter and a better defender. But, I mean, this guy could be an all-star shortstop, like Jonathan said, very quickly. 
and you, and you throw in the makeup. He's a great leader. There's so much charisma about him. The guy and the guy's from Marietta, Georgia. He's from the Atlanta suburbs. This guy's gonna be the face of the franchise. Apologies to Freddie Freeman. I'm, I'm casting my face of the franchise vote right now for 2017. He's gonna be the face of the franchise in the next couple of years for the Braves. He's, he's right now in the process of having I Heart Dansby bumper stickers <laughs> made up. If he's going to be anything like Derek Jeter, he's going to have to play in October because that's why Derek Jeter's Derek Jeter, I think, is that's the fair. rings and yeah. all the success. Right. So when you look at the, at the Braves now and what he's become a part of as far as that system, and they're gonna open a brand new ballpark and maybe he's not on the roster there opening day in 2017, but maybe that season he is. Where is this Braves organization heading with all this young Wow, well, I mean, I think to say in the right direction is a, is a huge understatement. Um, they'll say that there's no question they have the best farm system in baseball now. Uh, we both heard that from various yeah, we, we, we both we, kind we, of disagree with that, we, though, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, don't say I, uh, I don't say I vehemently disagree, um, but uh, they've moved themselves into the conversation, at least, just because, uh, you know, with this trade, with Swanson and Blair as two top 100 guys, uh, they added Sean Newcomb, uh, top of the top 100 guy as well. Uh, you know, if, if he reaches his ceiling, that gives him another number two, you know, maybe number three starter. John Lester comps there make a lot of sense. Um, so just in terms of sort of elite level guys, they already had Ozzy Albies in the system, um, who I think I like a little bit more than you do. But, but you know, an up-the-middle player has a chance to be really good. Uh, we'll have to learn how to play someplace other than the shortstop, evidently. Uh, so just that group right there makes them that much better, uh, I think. And they're, you know, they're deeper... Uh, with some of the other trades that they they've made in the, just in the past year, it was clear that their objective in this last calendar year was to restock the farm system because that's what the Braves always had done in the past. Young players, especially pitchers, um, I know you know that their the new general manager John Capolelli has been there a while. Uh, th this has always been a passion of his and something that he wanted to do. And he listen. Whatever you're going to say about the trade, you don't want to give up a big leaguer. Some people do have that opinion on the other side. He went out and did what he wanted to do. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think Jonathan and I both quibble a little bit. I wouldn't, we wouldn't call him number one, but there's no question. The system is so improved compared to where it was in October a year ago when John Hart came in and John Coppola began his rise, you know, even yeah. further up the ladder to, to assist at GM and then GM. At that point, the Braves probably had one of the five worst farm systems in baseball, and it was, it was very anti-Braves. I mean, this is an organization, when I was at Baseball America, they ranked in the top 10 on our farm system rankings, I think for something like 15 straight years, which is unprecedented. Nobody has a run like that, and they did, which is why they had so much, so much success. And they, when they, made, they made a bunch of moves last offseason, too. Some of those guys got to the big leagues. I know when I looked at the farm systems after the trade deadline this year, I thought going in, okay, the Braves will be top 10 farm system. And, they, and I was surprised. I want them not ranking in the top 10 because – they had good depth, but they didn't have those guys that you really build a team around. Right. And now they have Swanson, and now they have Newcomb, who's got that upside. And, and Blair's pretty good. You know, they've added those guys. I mean, I still think they're more deep than top-heavy. I mean, they have these top 100 guys, but then there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of risk with guys. You know, Terrell Jenkins is interesting, but he didn't have a great year. Max Fried's interesting, but he still has to come back from Tommy John surgery. Really like Colby Aller. He's on top 100. But Colby Allard has to prove he can stay healthy. He's a little guy who already has had back problems in high school. Tukic Saint. Tukic Saint, I like him too. And, you know, we, he was a part of an even crazier Diamondbacks-Braves trade. But, like, he, you know, is he going to throw strikes? We don't know. So there's, there is a lot of upside in that system. But I think there's less certainty. There's a lot of risk that comes with it. So for me, 
I would rank them, like to me, the, the top three farm systems in baseball, because I had to do this for MLB Network broadcast at the end of the AFL season. I had Dodgers one, Red Sox two, even after the, the trade uh, to get Craig Kimbrell, and I had the Rockies three. And I think the Braves and the Pirates are the next two teams for me. So they're real close to tie. And it's, to be honest, I mean, everybody wants to say they're number one or be, be ranked number one. But whether you're one versus four, they're, they're, I mean, you're it's ranking years, like yeah. 180 minor leaguers versus 180 minor leaguers. Right. It's safe to say they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Well, and there's different ways to rank systems, too. You have depth and then you have star power. And is it fair to say the Braves had depth and now suddenly they have star yeah. power? Yeah. I think that's the sort of it. Uh, to tie a ribbon on what they've done. That's what they've added. You know, they had guys who probably were going to be big leaguers, and now they've added guys who have the potential to be big league stars and, and not that far from, from being there. So the Braves getting lots of love here in our podcast mm -hmm. because they went out and they got a bunch of prospects and really no one else has this week. Is there a team that you thought, considering how much prospect talent they have and maybe needs at the major league level, a team that you thought would pull off a big move that didn't this week? Well, I mean, you know, you, there's still time for things yeah. to happen, but it's, I don't know, I don't know if you can ever really see these coming. I mean, the, the, the ratio of, of rumors to actual deals is so high, it almost feels infinite at times. Right. I mean, like when we heard, okay, the Dodgers are trading for Chapman, and it's not one of their big three prospects, it's not Urias or, or Seeger or, or Jose De Leon, I still was like, okay, but like, I mean, two prospects. I mean, are we talking Jose Peraza? And Grant Holmes? Right. Or are we talking like Scott, Scott Shevler and, you know, some, you know, lower level pitcher? You know, because there's, there's very few trades are even talent for talent anymore. You have contracts to consider, how many years of control. Um, you know, I've seen, how many Jose Fernandez rumors have we seen? And they're all easily either too little or too much. I mean, right. they're just ludicrous rumors. That are, and you see the report that, what was it, that Joe Fersara from, from MLB.com reported or tweeted that, the Dodgers were told for Jose Fernandez it would cost them Corey Seager, Julio Urias, Jock Peterson, and two more players. It's like, why would you do that? I mean, maybe maybe Dave Stewart and the Diamondbacks do that. Right. But, like, I don't know if the 29 other no. teams are going to do no, that. No, I think the Marlins don't have a real interest. In, you know, So they're going to ask for everything because you never know when somebody's like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. Well, so, I think I saw that, that the Diamondbacks had a thought that, hey, Swanson and Blair – and another player, maybe, Corbin, Andrew, yeah, maybe we can guy. make a run for Jose Fernandez. It turns out we're just getting Shelby Miller for that. No, it's like to Shelby Miller, but it's not Jose Fernandez. No, he's, no, he's not. That's true. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the Dodgers were a team that a lot of people thought um, could be active prospect-wise. Uh, you know, the Astros obviously have a uh, solid farm system and a young major league roster. So there could be some, some movement there, and there's still some stuff going on uh, as we're recording this. So, uh, you know, but I don't think there's going to be anything like kaboom, blow up your whole farm system kind of, kind of well, trade there. Well, that's Spencer Kibu, because he um, gets traded. Very nicely done. So. <laughs> um, very nicely done. And, uh, you know, so but those are the teams that I think were, you know, and so even like the, you know, the Neil Walker trade ended up being a, a big leaguer for a big leaguer, so there were no, no prospects trading hands that there so a little disappointing in that regard I think you'd like to have a little bit more to write up but uh, it's I okay. think it's because the free agent position players I think that they kind of go hand in hand until you know hey am I getting you on a suspicious am I getting out scored am I getting Jason Hayward well if you don't get those guys then you maybe have trades you still have some pitchers you know Cueto's still out in the market for one no. you know I think the pitch the pitchers more than have signed so I think if you're looking for pitching although if you look at what Shelby Miller got in return and what the Marlins apparently are asking for Jose Fernandez I think the, the asking prices for those guys may just be exorbitantly, exorbitantly high. 
One more thing I wanted to touch on here in the podcast is there was a grievance filed this week by Chris Bryant, and everybody remembers back to last season, the Cubs sent him back to the minors after he tore it up in spring training, and they held on to him in the minors until they would get an extra year out of him before free agency, and it's nothing new. It's something that's, that's happened in baseball for years and years, but now a grievance has been filed. It seems like something that while players can gripe about, is there anything that could ever be done on there? I mean, this is a grievance that it seems like doesn't really have a chance. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how you can win the grievance because yeah. the Cubs didn't break any rules. You can't, I mean, do I think Chris Bryant was ready to play in an opening day? He was ready to play the September before. Right. If they'd been in contention, they would have called him up probably July the year before, the way he was performing in the minor leagues. Um, but you can't, you can't legislate, you can't force a team to call a guy up. And, I mean, the rules are the rules. I mean, and what the Cubs did made perfect sense from a business standpoint. Would I rather have Chris Bryant for the entire 2015 season, or would I rather sacrifice 10 games right. and get him for an extra full season at the end? Of course you're going to do what they did. You just hope you don't get too cute and knock yourself out of the playoffs by doing something like that, and they didn't. But, I mean, I think the only change you could see is you could negotiate a change to the rule. You maybe, instead of six full years of service time, it would be 5.9. But regardless, if you move the, the, if you move the line, the teams are going to adjust accordingly. Maybe if, you, if it were, you needed five and three quarters, maybe the Cubs don't wait a quarter season to promote Chris Bryant. But there's other guys who are going to fall in that position. So it's... I don't think, I mean, it's not great as a fan. You want the best players in the big leagues. But if I were a Cubs fan, I'd be like, yeah, I'll sacrifice 10 games of Chris Bryant now for 162 of them later. Why, why wouldn't you do that? It's hard especially, to argue especially, how their right, I mean, especially keep in mind that I don't think anyone thought the Cubs were going to be that good that quickly. Right. So the start of the season, yeah, you could look back and like, well, would Chris Bryant have given them enough wins to... What, I mean, host the wild card game. They weren't going to catch the Cardinals. I mean, whatever it was going to be, I, you know, I don't think that they even were thinking necessarily in those terms. I think they thought they would be competitive. But if, if anyone there is saying, oh, yeah, we were going to win 90-plus games and make the playoff, no, I don't think in April they were really that, in that mindset yet. So that, that has to be taken into account. He ended up playing, what, 150 games? He played pretty much every day. I was like, I don't, you weren't going to get much more production. I don't think he was going to contribute to more, many more wins. It, wouldn't, it didn't change the impact of how their season went. So, yeah, I don't see that grievance having any legs in terms of uh, a lot of, you know, what Jim said. So, and, yeah, I mean, Cubs fans six years from now when they still have him and they don't have to worry about signing him to a free agent contract are, are not going to be unhappy at all. I mean, the bottom line is there's rules that benefit the players there's rules that benefit the teams, or there's rules that either side can take advantage of, and there are rules that players take advantage of and to their benefit, and there are rules that teams take advantage of to their benefit. And this is something you can manipulate fairly easily by keeping the guy down for a couple weeks, and it's not going to change. This has been the Pipeline Podcast. Jonathan Mayo, Jim Callis, thanks a lot. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 